What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. In 2022, there were only 15 days when police did not shoot and kill someone in the United States, according to a Washington Post database. Also, according to the Washington Post, this year, law enforcement has murdered 633 folks. That's an increase of 27 people since our last roundup, and we don't even know most of their names. There were no marches, rallies, rebellions, or hashtags for them. Most of their families grieved in silence and solitude. It is critical to understand that police murders are just the tip of an egregious iceberg of transgression against our people. Law enforcement serves as a militarized occupying army in our communities and neighborhoods. They racially profile, sexually assault, and wrongfully incarcerate our folks. If we don't know what's happening, then we can't fight back. We can't adequately organize a response. So every week on Law and Disorder, we kick off our Thursdays with a roundup of news related to state violence. We hope this segment serves to expose, agitate, and build. This is the State Terror Roundup for the week of August 21st, 2023. The Warren County Prosecutor's Office says it will not be pursuing charges against two officers involved in a June police shooting in Lebanon, Cincinnati, that ended in a man shooting himself. On the evening of June 17th, Lebanon police and Warren County Sheriff's deputies encountered 56-year-old Dion Kellum outside of a home after a 911 caller, who lived inside the home and knew him, reported that he was threatening to shoot them. The cops say they tried to de-escalate the standoff as Kellum held a gun to his own head. Be clear, they tried to quote-unquote de-escalate while pointing guns at a clearly suicidal man. The prosecutor's office said body camera footage showed officers instructing Kellum to drop his weapons more than 100 times during a 25-minute standoff. Clearly, what they were doing wasn't working. So maybe at some point, someone should have thought about bringing in people who actually know how to deal with mental health crisis, rather than people who are trained to subdue any and all problems with shots to center mass. At some point, Kellum fired a single round from his handgun into the ground, and as the officers continued to order him to put down his weapons, Kellum fired another round. Two cops then fired single rounds at Kellum. Kellum then fell to the ground, raised his handgun, and shot himself once in the head. The coroner's office ruled Kellum's death a suicide. I guess that's technically true. He shot himself in the head. What is also true is that Kellum was clearly suicidal. No rational person would have thought that cops pointing guns at him would have talked him off the ledge. The rational and right thing to do would have been to bring in mental health experts that could engage in real de-escalation, address the mental health crisis that was at play, and Kellum could have lived. Source, Quinlan Bentley, the Cincinnati Inquirer. The Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department released edited body camera footage on Tuesday of an early August shooting involving an Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department, or IMPD, officer near Washington Park that led to the death of 49-year-old Gary Harrell. On August 3rd, Douglas Carell, a veteran of the department, shot Harrell during a traffic stop for reckless driving. Because reckless driving is an offense punishable by execution in this country, right? No, it is not. But cops engaging in traffic stops and regulation is a primary way that incidents that lead to our deaths by cops occur. According to previous reports, officials claimed at the time Harold had already exited the car and began verbally engaging with the officer as Correll was approaching the vehicle during the stop. Police claimed Harold then ran from the car with a handgun. The cops chased him and shot him chased him and shot him. He was running away. After the incident, IMPD said at the time they did recover a handgun and narcotics at the scene. Officials did not say at the time if Harold pointed a gun or fired any shots at Corral. In the video, Harold did not point a gun or fire any shots at Corral. 
A friend of Harold said after the incident that his family members are completely distraught about the incident. IMPD was not looking for Harold when they pulled him over for what they call a routine stop. And this is why we need cops out of traffic. IMPD Police Chief Randall Taylor released the following statement on the incident. He says, quote, Today, the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department released the critical incident video involving the shooting death of Gary Harrell. Remember, it was edited. This release comes as a part of my commitment to transparency, he says, and with the recognition of the tragic loss of Mr. Harrell and the lives impacted by this incident, including the officers. I'm bristling at the fact that we need to be concerned about the impact on the officers. Last I checked, no one is gunning down officers at a rate of three a day, and the officers that murdered Harold are still breathing. In a statement from Harold's family, they said that while Gary Harold made a poor choice, it, quote, should not have cost him his life. They continued, what is undisputed from the video is that Gary had his back to Carell as he moved away from him. Gary never assaulted or even touched Carell. Officer Carell gave one command, stop, drop it, but failed to give Gary any time to comply before gunning him down, end quote. The family said the unjustified shooting violated the U.S. Constitution, as well as IMPD's use of force policy that was revised in 2020. The family specifically cited the portion of the policy that said officers are only permitted to use deadly force in two circumstances. One, to prevent or defend against an imminent threat of death or serious bodily injury to the officer or another person. And two, to apprehend a fleeing person for any felony that threatened or resulted in the death or serious bodily injury of a person if the officer reasonably believes that the person will cause the death or serious bodily injury to another unless immediately apprehended. Folks, neither of the circumstances were present. Source, David Gay, Fox 59. Four Martinez police officers have been placed on administrative leave following the fatal shooting of a man suspected of trying to burglarize a marijuana dispensary. The man was unarmed. There is little detail about the officers or the man shot. Bay Area News Group reports two adults were taken by ambulance to a hospital. However, details surrounding who they are and their involvement were not immediately made available. Stay tuned for more information on this case in the next State Terror Roundup. Source, Amanda Del Castillo, ABC7. Here's a whopper. Chicago taxpayers paid $91.3 million to resolve lawsuits that named 116 police officers in Chicago whose alleged misconduct led more than once to payouts between 2019 and 2021. In all, the city spent $197.7 million to resolve lawsuits alleging more than 1,000 Chicago police officers committed a wide range of misconduct, including false arrest and excessive force. Cases that involved at least one officer with repeated claims of misconduct accounted for 47% of the costs borne by taxpayers to resolve police misconduct cases in that time period. Chicago's new mayor, Brandon Johnson, who ran on a platform of police accountability, has not yet commented on the revelation. The $91.3 million the city paid to resolve the cases includes the cost of judgments, including punitive damages, as well as settlements plus lawyers' fees. Two officers were the subject of 10 or more cases that led to payouts between 2019 and 2021. Former officer David Salgado and former Sergeant Xavier Elanzado. Salgado was named in a total of 12 lawsuits that cost the city $880,000, while Elanzado was named in a total of 10 cases that cost taxpayers $770,000. How are these officers allowed to remain on the force for so long? Of course, we are talking about the police department that teamed up with the federal government to assassinate Chairman Fred Hampton on December 4, 1969, founder of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party, and the same police department that shoots up Chairman's gravesite every single year. 
Both cops were eventually held accountable, found guilty in 2019 on charges of conspiracy and obstructing justice in their roles as tactical officers. Three additional officers were named in five lawsuits, while four officers were named in four lawsuits that led to either a settlement or a verdict. Another 26 officers were named in three additional lawsuits. The city faces at least 12 pending lawsuits filed by those who claim they were wrongfully convicted in cases investigated by some of these rogue cops. In addition, WTTW News identified 23 officers who were named in two cases that cost taxpayers less than $100,000. That means that those cases never came before the Chicago City Council, which only reviews proposed settlements of more than 100 k a key method of oversight. These new reports are the most comprehensive source about police misconduct lawsuits and the only official source that links individual officers to specific cases. However, city officials do not systematically track the number of settled lawsuits or the costs tied to individual officers, making it impossible for police brass to effectively manage the risks posed by the way the Chicago Police Department operates. That means none of the Chicago police officers whose conduct costs taxpayers more than $280 million during former Mayor Lori Lightfoot's administration have been disciplined, retrained, or offered counseling in an effort to prevent additional incidents of misconduct. While city officials have yet to release a litigation report detailing payouts in 2022, there is no evidence the problem has been resolved. In fact, Chicago taxpayers have paid $3.9 million to resolve two cases with one officer who is still on the force, earning approximately $98,000 a year. Mayor Lori Lightfoot was in office for much of the period during which Chicago taxpayers paid nearly $200 million to resolve 341 lawsuits alleging police misconduct. While in office, Lightfoot vowed to get control of the toll of misconduct settlements, but failed to do so. Maybe that's why her administration was so heavily supported by Chicago PD. No doubt they are beyond unhappy that Mayor Johnson is in office and in office with a plan to divest from policing and invest in the people. Stay tuned for the attempted right-wing takedown. Source, Heather Sharon, WTTW. The Los Angeles City Council is slated to vote on a new contract for the LAPD, which is estimated to cost taxpayers an additional $384 million annually by the fourth year of the agreement. This, y'all, is a police department that has murdered 20 people in the first six months of 2023. The LAPD's share of the city budget would need to increase by $123 million this year, another $75 million in 2024-2025, another $91 million in 2025-2026, and an additional $95 million in 2026-2027. Each year's increases are cumulative, according to several city officials, meaning the total added cost to the city will be approximately $994 million by the end of the four-year term, not including overtime pay. It never includes overtime pay, nor does it ever include lawsuits from their bad actions. And the people, taxpayers, bear the totality of the cost. Let me go back to this number. $994 million in four years. Think about the massive crisis that Los Angeles has with the unhoused. How many people could be permanently housed with $994 million. The Los Angeles Police Department already costs the city nearly $1.9 billion annually and is the largest single line item expenditure in the city budget. By the numbers, the proposed contract would boost LAPD's starting salary from one of the lowest among local agencies, $80,436 
to above the median at $86,193, a 12.6% increase. New officers who graduate from the police academy and remain employed at LAPD for at least three years will earn $15,000 in bonuses, while officers who transfer to LAPD from other agencies and stay for at least three years will earn $20,000 in bonuses. Adds 12% general cost of living raises over four years, plus significant increases in retention pay for more experienced experienced officers. Several members of council said they plan to hold a news conference ahead of the vote early Wednesday to discuss their concerns with the expense of the tentative contract and its fairness in light of other city employees' demands for higher wages and complaints about being overworked. Some of us had hoped that new Mayor Karen Bass would rein in the LAPD. Needless to say, we are all beyond disappointed. Source, Eric Leonard, NBC4. Remember when the police terrorized a bunch of teenagers for participating in an annual skating event on Dolores Hill? Turns out they made a ton of money for doing so. San Francisco police officers were paid more than $143,000 in overtime during the July 8th Dolores Park Hill bomb, which resulted in the arrest of 117 mostly young people who were kept in the cold, forced to urinate on themselves, denied access to their parents, and held in zip ties so tight that their wrists swole. The costs, tallied by the San Francisco Police Department in response to a public records request, include only overtime pay. The department said a total of 1,221 overtime hours were used by officers during the enforcement. Using the average overtime pay rate, the department calculated a total overtime cost for the operation. Again, $143,236. The department clarified that it was, quote-unquote, nearly impossible to disentangle general overtime costs during that time period from operation-specific overtime costs, and that some of the figure came from SFPD use of overtime to backfill our basic staffing needs. The Dolores Hill action was also San Francisco's biggest mass arrest of teenagers in the at least six years. A total of 117 people, 83 of them minors, were arrested in connection with the event. The cases against but all two of the minors and the vast majority of the adults have been dropped. The public costs may not end there. Many of those arrested have vowed to file a class action suit against the city and Rachel Letterman, a civil rights attorney who has met with dozens of parents and teenagers, said that a federal suit is taking shape. Taxpayers once again, once more, and yet another city hit in the pocketbook for bad acting police who are year after year rewarded for tor- tormenting our communities. Source, Joe Ravano Barros, Mission Local. This has been the State Terror Roundup for the week of August 21st, 2023. State Terror Roundup soundtrack provided by Coffee Brown, an Oakland musician, singer, and songwriter who has been a force in the Bay Area's hip-hop and soul scene since the early 1990s. You can check her out at kofybrown.com, and her website and socials are linked from our site at kpfa.org. A shout-out to my producer, Jesse Strauss, who helps curate the content for these segments. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.